At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. This is the look ahead with Scott Seidenberg on VSN, the sports betting network. Coming to you from the Circus Sportsbook in downtown Las Vegas, Scott Seidenberg here with you. This is the look ahead on VSN, the sports betting network. You can always hit me up on Twitter at Scott's on air, S C O T T S O N. A-I-R. Fun action in the NHL Stanley Cup playoffs. One low-scoring overtime game. One high-scoring shootout. We'll talk about that. But we start with the NBA Western Conference Finals, which tipped off here on Wednesday night from San Francisco. The Golden State Warriors hosting the Dallas Mavericks. And the Warriors winning and covering easily. 112-87. The game cruises under the total, which actually got pushed up prior to tip. I thought this game was going to go over because of the three-point shooting. I figured we would get about 83 pointers between both of these teams. When in reality, the Mavericks did their part by shooting 48 three-pointers. They only made 11 of them. And the Warriors, they made 10 threes, but they only shot 29 So that was a little bit surprising. I thought the Warriors were good for at least 10 more threes and maybe five more makes or something like that. But uh, they didn't need to shoot the threes because they were able to get looks and they were able to really do what they wanted offensively. And a lot of it came off of the defense. Luka Doncic did not have a great offensive game. He was seven, uh, he was what, six of 18 from the field, three of 10 from three-point range, scored just 20 points, and all the credit in the world goes to Andrew Wiggins. Wiggins picking Doncic up full court and sticking with him the entire game was absolutely tremendous, locked down defensively, and it's, I don't know if this is going to hold true for the entire series. But the Warriors were able to defend uh, against Luka for one night. They did against John Morant and against Nikola Jokic. So they've done a good job of taking away the top players so far in the playoffs. Can they do it here against Doncic for the entirety of this series? We'll have to see. But for game one, they checked all the boxes. and. They, the, the, the Mavericks, 
who were really getting incredible contributions from the ancillary pieces just didn't have it here in this game. Dorian Finney-Smith, just one of three from three-point range. He had five points. Uh, Bullock, just 12 points on three of 10 shooting from three-point range. And Jalen Brunson, 0 of 5 from three-point range. He finished with just 14 points. Dinwiddie did have 17 off the bench, which was the lone bright spot for, I guess, the supporting cast for the Dallas Mavericks. But if Luka's not going to go off for 35 to 40, and you're not going to get 25 or at least 20 20 from contributing players, you're not going to come close to winning a game. That's just the reality of the the buildup of this Mavericks team. Yes, Luka is the centerpiece, but when they're at their best, they're getting contributions from everywhere. You know, you have a secondary scorer, whether that's Jalen Brunson or somebody else, you or Dinwiddie, you have a secondary scorer that's helping out, and then your role players are contributing. You know, I go back to that game six win over Phoenix. Not the game seven blowout, but in game six, Luka had 33, but you had Brunson with 18. You had Bullock with 19. Dinwiddie with uh, uh, Dinwiddie with 15, Kleber made three three pointers, so you got help elsewhere. And then we all remember the game. What was it? Uh, which game was it when they won? Maybe it was game number four, three or four. When yeah, uh, game four when Dorian Finney-Smith made eight three pointers. I mean that's how the Mavericks win. Luca only had 26 in that game, but it was Finney Smith who had the big contributions. So if Luca's not going to get off for 40, let's say, 35 to 40, the Mavericks need to get the contributions elsewhere. And tonight they didn't. The Warriors did a great job of not only limiting Luca, but not allowing anybody else to get going offensively. And... Jason Kidd's going to have to make some adjustments, and he has throughout this entire playoffs. He's done a tremendous job of making adjustments. And as far as them defensively, I don't think that they have to change much. You know, Steph Curry and Klay Thompson um, did better in the second half, but in the first half, you know, Curry missed his first couple of shots, first couple of threes, and it's not like anybody blew you away for the Warriors. Curry had 21. Jordan Poole, 19 off the bench. Wiggins, 19. And then you got 10 from Green, 10 from Looney, 15 from Thompson, 10 from Porter. So it was a well-rounded effort here for the Golden State Warriors. But really, what stood out to me was the defensive effort, the job defensively that they did, or specifically Andrew Wiggins did, on Luka Doncic. And now, what is the adjustment that is made in game two? 
Taking a look right now at the early line for that game on Friday, the Warriors will be six-point favorites in that game. That's a slight adjustment from the five-and-a-half that they lined up here in this game. Total here closed at 216-and-a-half, so it was actually bad. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic, every home run, every hit, every inning, every play, from the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar, whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare up and it's back here for game number two set at 214 which is where it was on the opener for game one before it was bet up The minus six for Golden State is at minus 115 on DraftKings, and I wonder if it gets higher. Recency bias is going to come into play here. Yes, we could talk about the zigzag and and Dallas hoping to bounce back, but Dallas also just played a series where they lost the first two games on the road. That is a realistic possibility of happening here. And if it does, it's not a big deal. Sure, the Warriors, who are already heavily favored to win this series, will become massive favorites to win the series. But, like the old cliche says, a series doesn't begin until a team loses a home game. And so, if the Warriors win game two, but then Dallas holds serve, in games three and four, well, it's a 2-2 series going to game five. And then you see what happens. And I think that is a possibility. Right now, what I'm most curious about, and I don't know if I like a side right now for game two, but it will help me formulate a play for game three. Right now, the Warriors are lined up as six-point favorites, as I said, for game number two. If we're trying to figure out what the spread's going to be for game three, what the market right now is telling us is that the Warriors are three points better than the Mavericks. Home courts were three, so Warriors would be minus three normally at home but they're minus six, so they're three points better. That means on our neutral floor, they're minus three, and if you take it now in Dallas, what's the spread? Should theoretically be a pick right? Because if you're going to give Dallas three points for being at home, 
and the Warriors are minus three on a neutral floor, well, it's going to be a pick em in Dallas. But if Golden State is lined up as a favorite in game number three, which I think they very well could line up as a favorite, maybe minus one and a half. Depending on what happens in game two, that's going to dictate my bet for game three. If the Warriors win, right, they'll be a favorite in Dallas because I think it's going to be short. Recency bias will come into play. People just saw the Warriors win two games to start this series. They can't possibly be worse than the Dallas Mavericks. How are you going to put the Warriors as an underdog? Because then everyone will just jump on the Warriors as an underdog. So they're going to have to line them up as favorites. And then Dallas is probably the right side because it's it, it'll be an overreaction to what the, the market price really is for these games. But the series prices have changed. Right now, the Warriors are minus 450 to the Mavericks, plus 350. Anybody want to get in on the Dallas Mavericks to win this series right now? I don't think that's the case. I think it is the case, though, with the Eastern Conference Finals and the team that is down one game to none. We'll get into that coming up next. I'm Scott Seidenberg. Hit me up on Twitter at ScottsOnAir, S-C-O-T-T-S-O-N-A-I-R. This is The Look Ahead. Here on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. This is the look ahead on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. This segment of the look ahead is brought to you by Zinn Nicotine Pouches, a fresh way to enjoy nicotine without all the baggage of cigarettes, dip, or vape. Zinn Nicotine Pouches are smoke-free, spit-free, and available in 10 varieties, and they come in two strengths so you can easily find the satisfaction level that's perfect for you. Zinn, America's number one nicotine pouch, is available in over 100,000 locations nationwide. Visit Zinn.com find to locate a store near you. That's ZYN.com find. Warning. This product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Scott Seidenberg back here with you. This is The Look Ahead here on VSIN, the sports betting network. You can always hit me up on Twitter at ScottsOnAir, S-C-O-T-T-S-O-N-A-I-R. An interesting nugget, um, our buddy James Alberino at Spread Investor uh, brought this to my attention when it comes to the NBA playoffs. Coming into tonight's game, Uh, with the Golden State Warriors. Since May 1st, 27 playoff games, 24 of them, the team that covered, covered by five points or more. And in the last 10 playoff games, there's been a 21-point-per-game cover margin. The Warriors were uh, five-and-a-half-point favorites here in this game, and they won by 25, so they covered with a 19-point margin. That falls in line with what we've seen in the last 10 um, playoff games. So what does it mean for the Eastern Conference Finals, which will continue on Thursday? Game two, 
between the Miami Heat and the Boston Celtics from Miami. I look at this spread, and I think that Marcus Smart playing certainly helps absolutely. Um, And they're going to be without Al Horford again, but I don't think it's that big of a deal because I thought the other pieces looked good for the Celtics um, as far as the big men were concerned. But definitely with Marcus Smart, they they will get a boost. They'll absolutely get a boost. The Celtics prior to this series were designated as the better team. That's just a fact. You can't ignore that. They were favorites to win this series before game one. And in game one, Prior to the Marcus Smart and Al Horford news, the Heat were only a point and a half favorite. That spread tells you right away that they were valued as less than the Boston Celtics. Marcus Smart is back. The spread in game two is three and a half. I see this moving in favor of the Celtics, and it'll probably come down to three. I don't know if it'll get to two and a half, but I think it comes down to three once maybe there's an official announcement that Marcus Smart is playing. Right now he's listed as probable, but once there's an official announcement, yeah, I think you'll you'll see some buyback here on the, the Boston Celtics. I think when you look at this game, too, first of all, looking at this series, this just feels like a series that's going to be tightly contested. I I had, it wasn't a joke, but I had talked about it kind of jokingly, but it was serious. Prior to this game one, I said, I don't know if I'm going to bet game one. I mean, I wound up doing it anyway. I wound up betting Miami. At the one and a half, because the more people that we talked to, we loved that play. But I said, I can't wait to bet the loser of game one in game two. That was my philosophy. Because I felt that, hey, if Boston lost, or excuse me, Boston won, Miami at home, not going to lose two straight. And the other, th- the other side of it was that if Boston lost because of the situation, right, coming off of the game seven, bad spot, they lose game one, they bounce back in game two because they are the better team. At least that's what the market told us, that the Celtics were the better team. So I look at this game too, and I feel like the Celtics are the right side. Knowing that before game one, they were designated as the better team. Just because of what we saw in game one, Without Marcus Martin, now Horford, why does it flip so much? I don't think it should. The, the market right now has the Heat at minus 145, the Celtics at plus 125. And that's a long way from, you know, having the Celtics as a minus 190 or so, which is what it was prior to game one and, and prior to the Marcus Martin, Al Horford news. I'm thinking right now, 
knowing that the Celtics might be the right side and looking at the cover margin between the last 10, 11 games in the playoffs and overall in the last 28 playoff games that we have seen, what is it, 25 now? What was the numbers I gave you before? I said that it was of the 27 playoff games since May 1st, 24 of them, the team that covered, covered by five or more. So now make it 28 playoff games and 25 of those teams covering by five or more. What that tells me is that instead of going Celtics plus three and a half, go Celtics money line. Because I don't see a scenario in which the Celtics lose this game but cover. If the Celtics lose this game, the Heat will cover with margin. Because that's what we've seen here in the playoffs, at least ever since May 1st. If the Celtics cover, it's because they won the game. So I I think if the Celtics are the right side, it's got to be Celtics' money line here against the Heat. Make the, the even up the series one game apiece and head to Boston for game three, all tied up at one apiece. I'm Scott Seidenberg. Hit me up on Twitter at Scott's on Air, S-C-O-T-T-S-O-N-A-I-R. Coming up about eight minutes or so, we're going to be joined by uh, our very own Adam Burke at Skating Tripods on Twitter. Adam does a tremendous job breaking down uh, Major League Baseball uh, and and giving some notes and information and some picks up on vcin.com exclusively for subscribers and as well as uh, daily in your daily subscriber emails and in point spread weekly. On the Major League Baseball scoreboard here on uh, Wednesday, it was an interesting one. We had uh, the early game between two elite pitchers in Corbin Burns and Max Fried in the Brewers and the Braves, a total of six and a half. First off, it's just too low. It really is too low. There were six runs scored in the third and fourth innings. This one winds up going to the bottom of the ninth where the Brewers tied the game at four. And then both teams scored a run in the top of the 10th. Atlanta scores one in the 11th. Brewers score two in the bottom of the 11th to walk off. 7-6. The Rays were one of our plays today. Minus a half a run in the first five. Uh, They handled their business there. They win 6-1. Eduardo Rodriguez had to leave the game early with an injury after a three-run first inning by the Tampa Bay Rays. Uh, Rockies avoid the sweep and beat the Giants 5-3. This was a spot that I, I, I circled because it was the getaway day sweep avoidance. And the only reason I didn't like it to fit in that category was because the Giants had an off day, or they have an off day on Thursday. 
So as much as it was getaway day, it wasn't like they were rushing after the game to hop on a plane because they have a game on Thursday in a different city. But still, the getaway day sweep avoidance comes, it works. Because the Rockies avoid the sweep, beating the Giants 5-3. to three. Interesting stuff there. Twins blow out the A's 14-4. Carlos Correa uh, came back. Dodgers, a 5-3 win over the Diamondbacks. Red Sox, they get a win over the Astros 5-1. The Nationals in 10 beat the Marlins 5-4. Pablo Lopez with his worst start of the season for Miami. We'll continue to recap what happened in Major League Baseball. We'll talk about the card coming up for Thursday with our very own Adam Burke. Coming up next, I'm Scott Seidenberg. This is The Look Ahead here on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. If you're looking for more sports betting discussion around your local teams, BetRivers has you covered. BetRivers has launched a series of CityCasts designed to tackle sports betting from the local perspective. There are CityCasts in Chicago, Denver, Detroit, LA, New York, Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, and Washington, D.C. Subscribe to your local CityCast wherever you get your podcasts. Scott Sadenberg back here with you. It's a look ahead on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Joining us now is our very own Adam Burke. You can reach him on Twitter at Skating Tripods. You read his daily MLB report on vsin.com. You get his emails every single morning if you are a subscriber and read his stuff in Point Spread Weekly. Adam, appreciate you joining us here. Let's talk baseball. Have you noticed overs? starting to come around the past couple of weeks? I mean, it wasn't long ago where unders were dominating at over 60% on the season. Now it's closer to about 53 or 53.7%, according to our very own Dave Tooley. Have you noticed we're getting more overs, and why do you think that's the case? Yeah, we're definitely getting some more overs, Scott. I think a big part of it is just that the sports books have adjusted. They've started making totals lower and lower. We've seen a lot of six and a half, seven, seven and a halfs out there in the marketplace. Offense is maybe picking up a little bit here of late. We had a decent amount of offense here today, but a lot of it has been the adjustments from the sports books. But also, pitchers are pitching to more contact now. You know, we have a decrease in strikeout percentage and a decrease in walk percentage. So, Pitchers have gone, you know what, pitching to contact is not that penal. It's not as detrimental as it has been in past years. So we are getting more balls in play overall now. Some of those are going to find a patch of grass and become hits. As So far we've seen this season, a lot of them will not. But I think a lot of it is more just the adjustments from the sports books. But maybe offense is picking up a little bit here as it gets a little bit warmer. So that's something I'm definitely watching pretty closely. Yeah, I mean, when when I see a six and a half on the board, I just get so... I guess just so, so nervous about I'm not can't play an under with that. I can't play an under, and I almost want to take the over. We had a six and a half between Burns and Freed here, Brewers and Braves. That goes over. I think it was six and a half between the Rays and and the Tigers, and that goes over six to one Rays final. So it's almost like an auto fire on the over. Maybe if you see a six and a half, I, I just I don't get it. I don't get it, Adam. But I, hey, the book's gonna keep lowering it and kind of dare you to take it. I guess right. 
Yeah, and I mean, look, you know, you, you got a great pitching matchup there with Max Fried and Corbin Burns, but at the same time, I mean, Austin Riley hit like a 45-footer down the line that just narrowly rolled foul with two guys on. Gets another chance, next pitch, he hits a three-run homer. You're virtually halfway to the total mm-hmm. on one swing of the bat. So six-and-a-halves are definitely very scary. I almost played the one with Shane McClanahan and Bo Brieski in that, um, in that Tigers-Rays series a couple of nights ago that – I wish I would have, because I think it was eight to one raise. Yep. But, you know, also, too, one of the things I feel like I've noticed, and I don't know if this is just recency bias or not, it feels like we've had more blowouts this year, more uh, lopsided I, we, scores. 100%. 100%. And, like I said, I don't know if that's maybe just kind of recency bias playing into it or not. But, you know, we are getting a lot of these 6-1-7-1-8-1 types of games that wind up squeaking over the total, even though one team doesn't really do a whole lot to help out. I mean, just think about it. We have, uh, what, the Dodgers are 22-15 and 15 on the run line, and we know that they're favored in every game, so that's 22 wins by two or more runs. Arizona, but that's a lot of underdog stuff here. The Mets have 22 wins, so the bulk of that is by two or more runs. And, and so we're seeing a lot of these teams that are, are winning by margin, uh, which is really interesting. Um, you know, you mentioned, yeah, we are seeing a lot of blowouts. I want, I want to ask you about the Mets real quick. Um, I read a great article. I don't know if you, you read it. Uh, John Harper wrote about it the other day. Um, how the Mets are, their their advanced numbers, right? It could be, it could tell a story about regression coming. The article was about, is the Mets production right now sustainable for the rest of this season? Because they're not hitting the ball hard. They had 54 infield singles, which leads Major League Baseball, 19 more than the second highest team in Major League Baseball. They're not striking out, which is great. You know, it's it's good. And Buck Showalter's teaching them to make contact. They're choking up with two strikes, and they're just putting the ball in play. They're beating the shift, which is good, but they are making soft contact. And as analytics experts will tell you, when you average 94 miles per hour or less on your exit velo, it doesn't lead to a high OPS. Now, granted, they scored, <laughs> what, 11 runs here <laughs> against the Cardinals, but are you worried that there could be some offensive regression coming for the Mets? Yeah, absolutely. I know Mike Petrello from MLB.com also wrote about this using a lot of the StatCast data that's out there, talking about how you know, the Mets, from a contact quality standpoint, it has not been overly impressive. And Going into tonight, they're seventh in Major League Baseball in terms of the highest ground ball percentages. That's usually not something that you really want. You know, you want to hit line drives and fly balls. You want to elevate the baseball, hit doubles, hit home runs, all those different types of things. Yeah, it does feel like the Mets have gotten unsustainably lucky in terms of ground balls and especially the infield hit thing. That is something that definitely could regress. And and the reality of it is, You know, Jacob DeGrom is just starting to ramp up a little bit after a positive MRI report yesterday or today. Now Max Scherzer gets hurt. Carlos Carrasco's had a couple of rough outings here of late as well. You know, they were living on that starting pitching early on in the year and some, you know, opportune offense. If that does start to regress for them on the offensive side, even with the low scoring numbers that their pitching staff is putting up, that is an area where this team could be in line for some, you know, negative regression. And not to go too deep down the rabbit hole here, but you know, this I'm having a terrible week for what it's worth. But you know, I'm starting to kind of look around Major League Baseball and think to myself, you know, all these regression signs that I typically handicap with are so much different this year because the ball is dead. You know, mm-hmm. it's harder than ever to get a base hit. It's harder than ever to hit a home run. Really, it feels like 
So, you know, I'm, I'm kind of trying to look at what's real and what's not. And the Mets may be an example specifically on offense with those ground balls of something that's just not real right now. Yeah, uh, I do have my concerns with them. Uh, no concerns with the Yankees, Adam, as they just continue to win. Uh, is this team going to run away with the American League East this year? I don't think they'll run away with it, no. I mean, you look at the Toronto Blue Jays, and they've played the hardest schedule in Major League Baseball to this point. They've also had absolutely no luck whatsoever with runners in scoring position. That's been a huge issue for them all year long, something I've written about a couple of times now. I still think Toronto is really, really good. You know, I know that they've had some issues in in the starting rotation and and in middle relief and stuff like that, but once this offense starts producing in those high-leverage plate appearances, and I think that they will – Uh, This is a team that's still very, very good. You know, very good offensive team. They've proven that they're willing to go out and get out there and get the pieces if they need them. So I think Toronto is not a team that we want to write off at this point in time. And I still think the Rays are really good. You know, the Rays are a team that's had a a revolving door with all their pitchers and all of that. But I still think that they're a very, very solid team as well. The Yankees are good. Don't get me wrong. They're very, very good. But I don't know if this current pace is sustainable for them, especially because you know, look, they're holding opponents to under three runs per game. I don't care what the offensive environment looks like. That's very, very hard to do. So I think that the Yankees probably do regress a little bit as their strength of schedule gets better. And I think that as the Blue Jays end up playing some teams that they can handle, they should be a team on the rise here soon. Yankees, the only team in Major League Baseball left with single-digit losses. They are 28-9 and nine right now on the season. Uh, looking at the American League Central, can the Twins sustain what they're doing? Having a three-and-a-half game lead right now over the White Sox, they're 22-16. and 16. So for a short time, I think the Twins can sustain what they're doing, only because if you look at their upcoming schedule, they play a lot of bad teams throughout the rest of the first half, specifically over the next three or four weeks or so. So they have the opportunity here to keep playing at the pace that they're playing at, Keep putting some pressure on Chicago. I mean, look, you know, they played Oakland today. They go to Kansas City for three here coming up this weekend. Then they host Detroit for three, host Kansas City for four, play Detroit again in a five-game series. Mm-hmm. So over the next couple of weeks, they play nobody. But then after that second Detroit series, they're at Toronto. They host the Yankees. They host the Rays. They're at Seattle. They're at Arizona. That may be a spot where reality kind of comes back to them a little bit. So over the next two or three weeks, they should be fine. But once that schedule ramps up a little bit, I think that's where we really find out what the twins are. And to me, even though they are 22 and 16 right now, they profile to me like a team that finishes somewhere around 500. Yeah. Uh, Correa comes back. They got two hits and uh, they win uh, a big win here, which um, this was a game that took a lot of steam as well. I can't believe I didn't jump on it. Uh, Adam, hang with me for another segment. Let's get to the card here for Thursday and see if we can pick out some spots that are ideal for us, okay? All right, sounds good. He's Adam Burke, our very own sports betting analyst. You read his stuff, his daily MLB article on vcin.com. It's one of the best sources of information out there. You get uh, updates in your daily subscriber emails. Basically, if you're not a subscriber, what what, are you, what the heck are you doing? Go to vcin.com slash subscribe. Get on board right now. I'm Scott Seidenberg. Hit me up on Twitter at Scott's on air, S-C-O-T-T-S-O-N-A-I-R. We'll go through the Major League Baseball board for Thursday with Adam coming up next right here on The Look Ahead here on VSIN, the sports betting network.
This is the night. This is the look ahead on VSN, the sports betting network. The VSN Spring Special is here. For only $59, you get everything VSN has to offer from now until the end of July. The next few months are going to be filled with the best betting content in the business right here at vcin.com, and subscribers will have access to all of it, including Adam Burke's daily MLB best bets. Jonathan Von Tobel is going to have his best bets all the way through the NBA Finals. Andy McNeil will break down all the action on the ice all the way through the Stanley Cup playoffs. We'll have lots of NFL preseason coverage as well, not to mention continued best bets and premium articles covering golf, UFC, USFL, and NASCAR. If you want the full VSIN experience, which features a daily best bets email, every edition of Point Spread Weekly, use of our betting tools, and a live video stream whenever you want it, the cost is only $59 to be a subscriber through July 31st. Sign up now at vcin.com slash spring. Scott Seidenberg back here with you. It's the look ahead on vcin, the sports betting network. You can also hit me up on Twitter at Scott's on air. You can hit up our guest Adam Burke on Twitter at skating tripods. And Adam, let's talk about the card here for Thursday. Uh, we got a, a game that fits into my favorite betting system here. I think it's the one that I invented myself, to be honest with you. So I'm going to take all the credit in the world. Uh, getaway day sweep fade. The Yankees looking for the four-game sweep against the Orioles. It is a 12.35 Eastern time start at Camden Yards, and it is getaway day for the Yankees. Jordan Montgomery takes the mound against Bruce Zimmerman. Are the Orioles live dogs? Can you bet the O's in this one? Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, you're getting a pretty good return to take Baltimore in, in a spot where they tend to play a lot of low-scoring games there at Camden Yards now with moving the left field fence back and all that. I like both of these guys. I like Jordan Montgomery. I like Bruce Zimmerman. Zimmerman's been really solid here so far this season. And, and Montgomery's a guy that I don't think people realize how good he is. I mean, he throws all... At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet 365 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Four of his pitches for strikes, gets a lot of swings and misses, induces a lot of weak contact. Uh, to me, I kind of look at this game and I sort of think the under eight is is something that's in play here. Uh, the Yankees go home to play Chicago. So you know, I don't know if there's necessarily a look ahead to the getaway or anything like that. It's a relatively short trip home. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I just I feel like this is probably one where I, I, I may take a look at the under here, but. Now, I'll tell you what, these these early starts on the West Coast are uh, are definitely tricky here in, in, in the Major League Baseball season. Yeah, uh, taking a look at this one, and maybe the early start does lead to some tired legs for these guys. Um, I'd, I'd, I'd have to go back and see when the last off day was 
for both of these teams. But, um, you know, the early 1235, listen, we all know Major League Baseball players are creatures of routine, right? And when the routine is thrown off, it affects them. So early start at the ballpark, it's for a 1235 first pitch, could affect both of these guys. I'd have to see the Yankee lineup and see who wins the rest roulette that uh, Aaron Boone likes to play every single day. It was Giancarlo Stanton today. It was Aaron Judge the other day. Um, So uh, we'll see what that lineup looks like for the Yankees and the Orioles. 9.35 start here in Las Vegas. Uh, um, A couple of day games. Uh, we got the Padres and the Phillies. Philly minus 120 with Kyle Gibson on the hill against you, Darvish. Any lean on this one? Yeah, you know, I've been kind of waiting for Kyle Gibson for the bottom to fall out a little bit for him. You know, Kyle Gibson's a guy that's had a lot of swing and miss early on in the year, and that's not really something that we've necessarily seen from him throughout the bulk of his career. He's kind of a ground ball type of guy. The Phillies are not a particularly good defensive team. So I've been kind of waiting for Kyle Gibson to have a reversal of fortunes here. Um, You know, he's had some rough starts here recently but he's also had some pretty decent starts. So just one of those things where I don't really know exactly what I'm going to expect from him or what I should expect from him. Really, I don't know what to expect from a lot of pitchers right now because I've got sample size, but you know the ball is, is still not doing any of us any favors. But I mean, Gibson's only got seven strikeouts over his last three starts. So he's pitching to contact again. Maybe that hurts him. Maybe it doesn't. But you Darvish is definitely the kind of guy that has enough swing and miss to get through this Phillies lineup. It's just a matter of, you know, kind of where this price goes for me, where I don't think it's necessarily worth betting on the overnight right now. But, you know, if San Diego is still in a dog situation here come the morning, uh, that may be one I take a look at. Yeah, and something that does concern me is this Phillies offense without Bryce Harper. It's been three games now, Adam, and they're averaging just over two runs per game in the three games. They uh, had four runs, uh, they got shut out, and then they scored three runs here on Wednesday. So the production just hasn't been there with uh, the reigning MVP not in the lineup, and he's likely going to be out of the lineup once again here on Thursdays. He's still recovering from that injection in his arm. Uh, Cardinals and Mets, Chris Bassett against Daniel Hudson. Bassett has been a revelation this year for the Mets. Mets are minus 160. Total is seven. Are we riding with the Amazons and Bassett here? Yeah, you know, look, one of the angles I've kind of looked at here throughout the course of this season, and and to me, it's kind of a way of figuring out how to play it because the Cardinals are 16 and 13 against right-handed starters. At least they were coming into today's action, uh, but they do not hit above average right-handed pitching. And Chris Bassett is an above average right-handed pitcher. I mean, I think a lot of people probably dismissed him because he was pitching in Oakland where it's mm-hmm, such a pitcher-friendly mm-hmm. park. But I mean, that guy's really, really good. Dakota Hudson on the flip side, 306 ERA, 536 expected ERA, 504 FIP. So he's a guy that fits a lot of regression indicators for me. The hard part about a guy like Hudson is his career ERA is 313 with a 470 FIP. So this is just what he does. Yeah. He just outpitches his advanced metrics every single year. So maybe this is an underlook for me because I think this price is pretty high on Bassett, but I also think that he deserves to be at a pretty high price given the Cardinals and their performance against right-handed pitching so far. The Mets have also been a first five machine. So maybe the uh, Mets in the first five innings could be something to look at here um, in, in this game. Talk to me about your Guardians against the Reds, uh, the makeup game here, Male against Cal Quantrill. Yeah, so this was one where I had the under, and uh, I wish it would have stayed because it was a pretty ugly night in Cleveland tonight. It was very gray, very cloudy. Obviously, the game got rained out. 
Uh, would have been a great night for balls to not carry at progressive field. But now this game is going to be played during the day, and it's going to be sunny and, and get up into the upper 70s in Cleveland. So I'm going to back off of the under here for this one. But Tyler Molly is a guy that has a lot of signs of positive regression in his profile. He's a much better pitcher on the road than he is at home. Great American Ballpark is a very, very tough place to pitch. And his numbers show that. I mean, his home numbers are far worse. He's got an ERA over five, a weighted on base average against of 346, much better numbers on the road. So in theory, this should be a pretty decent spot for him. Cal Quantrill is a guy that pitches to a lot of contact, but he stays off the barrel pretty good. Uh, tough handicap for me now because I really liked the under for Wednesday night, uh, but I don't like it so much now it's going to be a little bit warmer in Cleveland during the day tomorrow. White Sox and Royals, Vinny Gass on the hill against Carlos Hernandez, who just loves giving up runs. But Vince Velasquez is a guy, too, that does give up hard contact, does get rocked. I love fading him. I might have bet against him in every single one of his starts, Adam, if I'm being honest. Uh, White Sox at minus 145, I absolutely do not like that, even with the matchup here against Hernandez. Total is high at 9.5, but can I interest you in the over? Well, this is a big total for sure, uh, especially, you know, given kind of what the offensive environment looks like here for this season. I will say this, you know, in that start last, last time out for Velasquez against the Yankees, yeah, he got shelled, but that's probably to be expected against a team that makes the highest rate of hard contact in all of Major League Baseball. In his two previous starts, he actually pitched pretty well against Boston and the Angels, and the Royals are not a particularly good offensive team. They do not make a lot of quality contact. They don't walk much either, so that's something that maybe helps Velasquez a little bit. It's just so frustrating with Chicago. I mean, they make a ton of hard contact. They've had nothing to show for it. Tony La Russa has ridden that bullpen about as hard as he possibly can, so it's very hard to bet full games with the White Sox right now. I lean towards Chicago because I have no faith in Carlos Hernandez, and I think Ethan Katz can work on Vince Velasquez, but laying the buck 45 here is... It's kind of expensive, so I'm curious to see if this line goes down a little bit overnight. Maybe I can get involved. Uh, George Kirby makes his uh, second start for the Mariners. Any interest there with them against the Red Sox and Rich Hill? I believe it's actually Kirby's third start. Okay, he yeah, actually yeah. pitched really yep. well in third his first start. one, yep. and then in the second one, he did not fare particularly well against the Mets. He gave up a lot of hard contact in that second start. But Rich Hill, I mean, how much can you trust You know, Rich Hill? Uh, obviously, there's you know a lot going on with him. He lost his father earlier on this season as well. Uh, you know, maybe father time catching up with his career. So that's a tough one there. I guess one I can throw out real quick here. So Glenn Otto for the Texas Rangers, not a household name, not a guy whose numbers necessarily jump off the page. But when you look at his under the hood metrics, his spin rates and the quality of his stuff, he's actually a pretty solid pitcher. So kind of looking at the under eight and a half there. Oh, in the I love Star it. State battle between the Rangers and the Astros. I love it. I love it, uh, especially with uh, how good Valdez has looked in his advanced numbers. And then Zach Gallen, I'm going to back him against Marcus Stroman. I'll probably take the Diamondbacks against the Cubs, Adam. Yeah, Diamondbacks, I mean, they're they're doing a lot of good things on the pitching side. They're winning a lot of close games, and I can't really argue with that one. Yeah, Zach Gallen has just been uh, tremendous for them. Adam, appreciate the time and the conversation. Good luck with the bets. We'll be reading the articles every single day, and I can't wait to wake up and get my subscriber email. Have a good one, Scott. <laughs> there he is, Adam Burke. Catch him on Twitter at Skating Tripods. Read his work every single day on vcin.com. This is The Look Ahead with me, Scott Seidenberg, here on vcin. 
At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts.